0: Thanks for joining us for the Fight for Your Marriage podcast with Charlene and Lori. This is a place where you can find hope for your marriage through Jesus Christ. Thanks for joining us for another episode. I'm so excited that you're here, and you are going to love today's episode. Today, I'm going to share a sermon from Francois Vuslu, who is one of the— um, staff members at my church, and he had such a um, powerful lesson through Ephesians that I really wanted to just share it with you. One of the things he talks about is our transformation and how we need to be different if we're followers of Christ. Obviously, that is something that is basic, but have you really allowed God to transform you? And Sometimes we get transformed in negative ways, and that can happen because of bitterness. And three of the points he shares is that bitterness can obscure our vision of God. Bitterness interferes with my relationship with others, and bitterness puts me in bondage because I can become totally occupied by things in my life that I won't let go of. And those three points really just struck home to me, and I think that if you— Take some notes and listen to this. I pray that this is going to help you understand what God's desire is for your life and um, understand how you can surrender the hurt that you may have faced um, through circumstances that have happened to you and let God transform you into His image. And so I hope this um, episode is a blessing to you. And um, grab your Bible and a notepad because you're going to want to take some notes.
1: We are in Ephesians chapter 2, and as Matthew said to us last week, that the first three chapters, the focus is on God, and the second three chapters, it's the role that we have to play. Thank you so much, Matthew. And what Matthew focused on last week was, what did God do for us? Today's focus is, what did God do between us? And I just want us to reflect for a moment. Matthew said last week, what did God do for us? We were dead. We were enslaved. And we were condemned. But then he came and he gave us life. He raised us up. He seated us in Christ Jesus at the right hand of the Father. For what purpose? So that we can display his grace, that he would die for a sinner like me, so that his name can receive all the glory, so that, and that is verse 10, where he said, works cannot save you, but once you are saved, he has prepared good works for us. What did he do for us? To introduce us to the good works that he has for us. And that is why he starts the next part, verse 11 to verse 22. And if you want to use the Bible in the pew, it's page 917. And we're going to focus today on those verses. That is why he starts it off with therefore. In other words, I want you to be able to do these great works that I have prepared for you. And the best way for me to communicate that is to come and stand here with you in the front. Please don't get nervous. I won't ask you to sing a song or say a Bible verse, anything like that. It's just to try and communicate what did God do between us. And in this passage, He has done three things between us. Verse 11, He says, Therefore, remember. And you will see in this verse, He says twice, remember. Therefore, remember that at one time, in other words, at one time, you were Gentiles in the flesh, called the uncircumcision, by what is called the circumcision, which is made in the flesh by hands. Remember that you were at that time separated from Christ, alienated from the commonwealth of Israel, and strangers to the covenants and promise. Having no hope without God in this world. And then I love verse 13. He says, but now in Christ. It's the same in the first part that Matthew shared last week. Verse 4, he says, but God. You were lost. You were condemned. But God. But now in Christ. You are united with him. He starts off by saying, remember that at one time you were calling each other's names. The Jews said, you are a Gentile. The circumcised, the uncircumcised. Cruel terms that they used to identify. If I may be so bold and bring it home, you are a Democrat, you are a Republican, you are black, you are white, you are Hispanic, you are a gringo, you are a Texan, you are a New Yorker. You are a Baptist, you are a Presbyterian, you are a Californian, and you are from the rest of the world. <laughs> we call each other's these names. He says, at one time, you did that. At that time, remember he says, at that time, you were separated from Christ, alienated, strangers having no hope without God in this world. But now in Christ, You who were once far off have been brought near by the blood of Christ. The mission organization that we are working with, we have 5,000 workers in 120 countries, and there are many pains and problems like in any church organization. But one thing I appreciate is that how can people from more than 100 different denominations work together because they make the main point the main point. What is the main point? The name, the fame, the glory, and the honor of our Father. It is so interesting when you go to the persecuted church, there is no division. There is no name-calling because it's about survival. It's about bringing this amazing good news to those that have never heard. The first thing that God did between us is He brought unity. The second thing that He did, verse 14, For He Himself is our peace, who has made us both one and has broken down in His flesh the dividing wall of hostility by abolishing the law of commandment expressed in ordinances that we might create That he might create in himself one new man in place of two, so making peace. And might reconcile us both to God in one body through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off, and peace to those who are near. He came to be our peace. Secondly, he came to make peace. Thirdly, he came to preach peace. It's only one that can give us his peace, and his name is Jesus. I don't know if you still remember that day when you met Jesus. The peace that he brought, the love that he brought, the joy that he poured out in your heart. You cannot find that peace anywhere else. He is peace. His name is Prince of Peace. The second thing he said, he made peace. Now, if you do not have peace, you cannot make peace. In the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus says, Blessed are the peacemakers, not the peacekeepers. It's a very passive, backward role to take in. Peace has to do with making, and the making of peace referred to here is between us in the family of God. Don't just let it go Because it gets bigger, not smaller. And then he says, he preached peace. To whom do we preach peace? To those that do not know Jesus. So he starts off by saying, we have peace, we make peace, and then we preach peace. Why? And then he says in verse 14, he has come to break down in his flesh on the cross The dividing wall of hostility. We used to call each other names. And he says, no, I've come to break down that wall. There is no wall between us anymore as Jesus' followers. Verse 16, through the cross, thereby killing the hostility. Strong words. So what is the second thing that he did for us? First one is, he united us. The second one is, he brought us peace He made us one, verse 14. Verse 15, he created in himself one new man in place of two. When they crucified Jesus, Pontius Pilate said, put this sign on the cross, the king of the Jews. He was crucified as the king of the Jews. He died as the king of all kings. He rose from the dead as the unequal, magnificent king, glorious God and father. He has no equal. He reconciled us both to God in one body. When Christ died on the cross, it was not just for our reconciliation with the Father, but it's also for our reconciliation with one another. First, He united us. Secondly, He gave us peace. And then the third thing that He did, we find in verse 18. For through Him... grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you are also being built together into a dwelling place for God. Paul uses three images here to illustrate to us what does it mean to be together? What did he do between us? The first image that he uses is the image of the body where Christ is the head. Now, normally, our bodies function pretty well. Mine was dysfunctional this last week. I broke three things. It was disgusting. My head and my body were not connected well. Normally, our our body should be connected spiritually with our Father and walk with Him in obedience. My children used to say to me when I do something stupid, the boys would say to me, Dad, when the mind is weak, the body must suffer. He made us one body. Why one body? Because he has great works planned for us. And those works can only be accomplished by us being one body. This morning when I woke up, my elbow cannot decide, hey, I'm not going to church today. It just doesn't work like that. When that happens, it causes huge infection in the body. And my body becomes dysfunctional. That's why it is so important for us to be united, to be at peace with one another. The second image example that he uses is he says we are members of the household of God. In other words, we are a family. What does it mean to be a family? A family is where you receive love. It's a place where you give love. It's a place where you receive care. It's a place where you give care. It's a place where you receive instruction. Some people call it criticism. It's a place also where you can help others to grow up in the family. It's a place of intimacy between us. And then the third image that he uses here, in a matter of four verses, he calls us a holy temple. In verse 20, he talks about the foundation of this temple. The foundation is based on the prophets and on the apostles. In other words, it's based on God's word. God's word is the foundation of this building. And then he talks about the cornerstone. The cornerstone is Jesus Christ. He is our whole focus as this building is being built up. And then he comes to us and he calls us the structure. And there are three things in the structure. The purpose of the structure is a dwelling place for God by his spirit. God longs to dwell in our midst. And he has chosen us, sinners, to be his holy temple. You know, so often in scripture, and it is right, we emphasize this a lot. The love of God, the love of God, the love of God, which is right. But do you know that in Scripture, the holiness of God is mentioned two to three times more? Recently, somebody was again complaining, why would a loving God do this, and a loving God do this, and a loving God do that? And I asked the precious person, I said, can we rephrase that question? Why would a holy God do that? It changes the whole scenario. The second thing that, and he, sorry, the three things that he says that we are a structurers. He said first of all, we are joined together. Paul talks about living stones. So in this temple, if I'm calling names, I'm upsetting the building process all the time. The process cannot be go, going forth because the second one he says we grow into a holy temple. We are being built together into a dwelling place for God. First, he united us. Secondly, he gave us peace. And thirdly, he made us a body, a family, and a holy temple. How do we apply that to our lives? I want to use three illustrations today. This chair resembles our lives before we met Jesus. You and I are on the throne. We are lost. We are separated from the love of God. We are damned. We think we are great and powerful and all the other great thoughts. Then Jesus comes and invites us into his kingdom. And we get off the throne and we bow before him and says, you are Lord of my life. I received that gift of salvation from my Father. And new life begins. I was dead, and now I am alive. I am in Christ, seated at the right hand of the Father. And then life happens. Life gets very messy, full of disappointments. And then we end up here, and I'm back on the throne again. Yes, I am still a Jesus follower, sort of. I have the outside appearance, but inside I know I am not right with God. There is no peace in my heart. And that is the first application. I need to get off my throne. I need to come and bow before the Lord again. And says, you are the Lord of all. Can we pause here for a moment, please? Just close your eyes. Maybe you can identify with this. And I'm just going to say a very simple prayer and ask you if you want to repeat it in your heart, just to say after me. Just quietly in your own heart. I'm going to start all over on the other side. Maybe you've never met Jesus. Maybe you are still on the throne of your life. And you've never made a decision to receive him, to believe in him. Today, Father's Day, is the best day that you can choose to do that. Will you pray this prayer? Our Father, I confess that I am a sinner. I have been dead. But thank you for this huge gift of salvation. I receive it today. I believe in you. I repent of my old ways and I choose to follow you, Jesus. And those that are on the other side, maybe you've become lukewarm, maybe you've taken the place on the throne of your life again. Will you pray this prayer with me? Father, I have experienced your love, your forgiveness, your grace. But being in the tumble dryer of this life. I have taken your place in my life. I want to ask you for your forgiveness please. Lord I choose today. To bow before you. You are the king of kings. And you are the Lord of lords. And I desire to have that peace that joy, and that love in my heart again. In Jesus' name, amen. In a few weeks, we are going to get to James chapter 4, and I just want to explain a principle there. In James, oh, sorry, James, Ephesians chapter 4, he says, let the thief no longer steal, but rather let him labor doing honest work with his own hands, so that he may have something to share with anyone in need. Here I am a thief. I am stealing. I'm taking what doesn't belong to me. Then I realize, but it is wrong, and I move here, and I stop stealing. Am I no longer a thief? No, Paul says no. He says you need to do one thing more. You need to move over to this side where you begin to work with your own hands and give to others. Because if I'm only here, it's so easy just to slip back and start stealing again. But once I'm on this side and I experience the blessing of generosity and helping and loving other people, it's a long, long journey back to stealing again. So often when we are spending time with God, He may say something to us and we say, Yeah. I understand knowledge leads to understanding, but application, obedience leads to transformation. Can I say that again? Knowledge leads to understanding, and in a week's time I forgot it again, but application and obedience leads to transformation. In other words, I can begin to share it with other people. And that brings me to my second illustration. This rubbish can this morning, this represents the bitterness, the resentment, the anger, the fear we are carrying around in our lives. There's a number of things true about this. It obscures my vision. First, it obscures my vision of God for what he has done on the cross. It obscures me from his amazing love, his faithfulness that we've just sang about. It also interferes with my relationship with you. I'm hiding constantly. I have so much pain and agony in my life, I don't know what to do with it. I'm also in bondage. I cannot do the good works God has asked me to do because I'm totally occupied By this thing in my life, the unforgiveness, bitterness, resentment, fear, whatever it may be. So different for each one of us. So many of us carry so much pain. And yes, for some it is very legitimate. I want to ask you this morning. Don't you want to leave it here today? Let's do a few things together. The first one is, I need to decide. I need to be intentional in leaving it behind, in getting rid of it. One of the biggest sayings that I'll never forget that somebody mentioned on a Father's Day was, fathers and men take responsibility and they reject passivity. It is the same. Let's take responsibility today. Let's reject passivity. Second thing I need to do after I've decided I'm going to deal with this issue today. I'm not going to take it home anymore. It occupies my whole life. The second thing that I'm going to do with it is, I realize I need compassion in my own heart. Just Monday this week, somebody triggered something in my life that also made me pick up this big drum. The drum stayed with me for the whole day. So occupied with it. But then I realized, but I'm a bigger sinner than that person. Paul says in the next chapter, I am a bigger sinner than all of you. Compassion. I have done the same thing to other people that those people have done to me. Then the third thing. We need to go and unlock the prison door in our lives. These people that we are carrying around like this, they are locked up inside. And we need to unlock that prison door so that they can go out, so that they can be free. And then I need to bless them. I need to take this person to God and give it to him so that I can be free. I'm not asking you to do this because of what they have done for you. I'm asking this for you to do it because of what Christ has done for us on the cross. He wants us to be united. He wants us to be together. He wants us to have His peace. He wants us to be one body, one holy temple, one family. And then I need to bless those people. Whoever they are, I need to bless them. And lastly, I need to pray for God's forgiveness for myself because that is one of the big things we struggle with, is to forgive ourselves and also the other person. Would you be so kind to stand with me, please? After this, there is one more point that I want to go with you through. But I want to give all of us the opportunity. We said we are one body. Our theme this morning, what did God do between us? And I want to ask you this morning, if you would not be willing to take this rubbish can, this person that you were, sorry, they are not a rubbish can. You sit with the rubbish in your heart. They are magnificent, beautiful people. But use it with the rubbish in your life. And to take that to God. And what I want to do is to pray a very simple prayer and ask you all out loud to repeat it after me. And the reason for that is because we are one body. We can help each other that are struggling. It doesn't mean you have a problem. It just means together we can voice our challenges. I'm going to use the words or the letters ABC. When I say ABC, you replace it with the name of the person. You ready to do that? Just pray after me, please. Our Father. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you for your new life. Forgive me for keeping captive ABC in my life. I open the prison door now, I let them go, God. I bless them in your name, God. God. Will you forgive me, please? In Jesus' name, amen. Now I want to ask you just to put your hand on the shoulder of a saint next to you or close to you. And this is our last application. I said to you in the beginning that as fathers, we are no longer going to look back. We are not going to allow our past to define our future. Is that good with you? Say it again. We are not going to allow our past to define our future. And on the board, you will see the three things we are going to say. I will say them first, and then you can repeat them after me. Maybe they're not on the board. The first one is, my future is on the other side of my failure. Let's say that. My future is on the other side of my failure. You get the message? My future is on the other side of my failure. Don't dwell in your failures. Move on, move through. My freedom is on the other side of my fear. Freedom is on the other side of my fear. Leave your fear behind today, please. And then the last one. God's greatness will carry me through my pain and suffering. Let's say it. God's greatness will carry me through my pain and suffering. Let's pray together. God, you are such a merciful God. Thank you that you united us. Thank you that you gave us your peace. Thank you that you made us one body, one temple, one family. Thank you for your forgiveness. Thank you that we can be reconciled today. Thank you on the cross. We reconciled not only with you, but with one another as well. And Lord, I pray that each one of us here Fathers, mothers, grandfathers, grandmothers, all of us will not allow the past to define our future. Lord, that we will not allow our future to get stuck in our present problems, difficulties, failures. And Lord, that we will move through our fear to our freedom, please, only because of your greatness. I pray for your saints that they will go home flying from here like eagles and not run around like chickens anymore. Lord, we are free. We are free indeed because what you have done. Bless them, I pray, Lord. Bless them. Bless them. Bless them in Jesus' name. Amen.